Hey, everybody, this is Tony Kay from Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Okay, today is September 3rd, and we have a special guest in the studio today. Tony Kay, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, uh, Mike. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on today. So we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guests to read the Daily Reflection for the day. Tony, would you get us started? Sure thing. All right, September 3rd, building a new life. We feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 82. When I reflect on step nine, I see the physical sobriety must be enough for me. I need to remember the hopelessness I felt before I found sobriety and how I was willing to go to any length for it. Physical sobriety is not enough for those around me. However, since I must see that God's gift is used to build a new life for my family and loved ones, just as importantly, I must be available to help others who want the AA way of life. I ask God to help me share the gift of sobriety so that it benefits may be shown to those I know and love. Thanks for reading that. Tony, before we begin, do you have a sobriety date you want to share? Yeah, sure. It's 410-17. Okay, great. It's a good one. I mean, building a new life. Uh, it's talking about step nine. Yeah. What comes to mind when you read this? Well... It's interesting because I was talking about my fiance with this. You know, we read over it when I found out the date I'd be reading. I mean, I, I think it's right on. I love that statement in the big book. It's one of those ones I have highlighted. Uh, we feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. I mean, definitely for me, that's 100% true. You know, uh, just being sober is definitely not enough for me. And then, you know, to go on. When I reflect on step nine, I see the physical sobriety must be enough for me. And I don't know about you, but if you read this before we got on the thing, that kind of throws me off like there's a typo or something on there. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, it's but, confusing. Uh, it is. It is because it's kind of contradictory. But, you know, so so I looked it up in the big book because I was like, am I missing something here? Uh, and, I, you know, I just love that entire, you know, part of the big book right there. Uh you know, in general, sobriety, you know, isn't enough for me. Uh, you know, it goes way beyond that. Uh, I mean, part of the reason I'm sober, you know, this time is because, you know, I could see what an unmanageable mess my life was. And uh, when we, you know, look at the first step in its entirety, you know, not just this drinking problem I got, but this unmanageable life problem I have. Uh and if I get carried away here, stop me, Mike. Oh, you're good. But, uh, 
you know, the second half of the first step for me was really, really, really impactful when I got sober this time. And I think this sentence, you know, kind of relates to that. You know, it's got to be more than just, you know, not drinking for me. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go go too too far no, off here. It's, but. it's great. And when I talk to, to folks about about the program and the benefits, like the first thing, obviously, is solving the biggest problem I ever had, which was just not picking up that first drink. That was the biggest problem I had. And I got that, but then I got so much more. And it's hard to explain to people what what the AA program is beyond that without having an understanding of how far down the scale many of us had to go to get to the point where that was the most important thing, right? No, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, alcohol was was just my anesthesia to my unmanageable mess of the life, you know, and it just, you know, pretty much allowed me to, to get along and live with the, the, the mess that my life was on a daily basis in that area, you know, where it makes that statement though, it, you know, it, it expounds upon that in the big book about how, you know, coming up from the cellar ain't a grand, the wind stopped blowing, you know, it's a, about a lot more than that, especially in steps eight and nine, it's about, you know, our behavior and acting differently from six and seven. And, uh, you know, there's so much more to this deal than just not taking a drink. If, if drinking was just our problem, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, I like what uh, my old sponsor, Steve V, used to always say, just kick a cop in the butt and they'll throw you in jail and, you know, they'll, they'll help you not to drink. But, you know, it goes way beyond that. Talk to me about, you know, discovery of those things. Like if it's not just the drink, then what is it? And, and how did you discover what those things are? When I, when I got sober this time, I had, I had been in Alcoholics Anonymous previously. And, uh, and when, when I, you know, on that morning when I came to and I realized it was time to get sober again, I was looking at, you know, all these areas of mess in my life. You know, I had just a relationship had just ended that meant a lot to me uh, financially. So relationally, I was bankrupt uh, and I had been in, you know, three or so long term relationships and they all had failed, uh, you know, over my adult life. Uh, financially, things were bad. I had a lot of unsecured debt and I just I couldn't make it to paycheck to paycheck. And it just you know, I was 43 at the time when I got sober and I was not at where I wanted to be at my age. And, you know, my, you know, 401k was half, you know, loaned out and it just was a mess. And uh, vocationally, I was the worst performer on my team at work. Uh, I was, if they had layoffs, I would have been the guy that had cut. I mean, it was just, I was hanging by a string and, uh, you know, spiritually, you know, I would take my kids to church on occasion because I felt like it was a thing I was supposed to do. And I remember, you know, and having been in AA before and having had a spiritual contact, you know, I would, you know, now I was drinking again, I would try and, you know, pray or whatever. And it's just, there was no way I could connect. So, you know, vocationally, relationally, spiritually, financially, every area of my life was bankrupt. And uh, I, the point I'm getting at is, is when I, when I came to on that morning, I could just see all these areas of my life that were a mess. And I'd only been drinking again for about three years. But the problem was, is that a lot of these issues I had started a decade before while I was sober, you know? So it was like that. I just, it was right. The, the, I thought of the first step, you know, that morning and I just could see that my life was so unmanageable. It just, it made sense to me in a clarity, like it had never been before. And I could see that if I didn't fix what was broken inside of me, that nothing externally was ever going to get better. I'm trying to do the math. And um, it sounds like you had some sober time prior to 2017. Um, how long were you were you sober before? 
I'm 48 years old now. My my first round in AA, I was 16 and had a year sober twice in high school. And then I got sober at 24 again and stayed sober 17 years and went back out in 2013 or something like that. Mm, so yeah. 17 years. Okay. And and what do you think was missing? You know, I, I, I think it was just that, that deep sense of surrender, you know, uh, I, I knew I was alcoholic when I was sober before. I mean, there was no doubt in it. However, you know, like I said, when I got sober this time, that that cl real clear understanding on the unmanageability of my life, I think just rang so true because when I when I was sober before, I'd still try to take shortcuts or I might be dishonest and have secrets or, you know, because I mean, I had a I was I was pretty surrendered, I would think, for the most part, for the first decade of my sobriety. I was going to meetings, talking to my sponsor, but there was certain defects I just couldn't wouldn't surrender and let go of. And over time, you know, uh, you, you get tired of sick and tired. Of, my, my sponsor would tell me, stop being a news reporter, Tony, and calling me after you do things. Call me before, <laughs> you know, and I just I wouldn't my behavior wouldn't change. And slowly but surely, you know, uh, I just ended up things just got worse and worse. And, you know, eventually uh, I got cut off from the sunlight of the spirit, you know, through my behavior, I guess. And then you picked up. Yeah. And then I, you know, took a drink and, you know, when I took a drink, I was thoroughly convinced that, you know, this was okay. You, you know, mm -hmm. that, and, and I think, I think it's the delusional nature of the disease that, you know, we get delusional in managing our life, you know, and when I get to that point, it's, it's almost too late because I will eventually get delusional in my, you know, about my drinking and my powerlessness. Mm -hmm. So I, I almost wish they would take the first step and swap it around. And, you know, because I just I because, you know, being sober, I spend more time focusing on not managing my life because I think that's what gets people drunk, you know, not. Uh, but I mean, that's what will get me drunk. Let me put it that way. You know, we all have our own story. Right on. So how soon after you took that drink, after you, you, you came back out, did you start to realize that you might need to to rethink this? I mean, a head fillet and a belly full of beer, you know, I mean, I was. I'd wake up every day and play pretend is what it was like. You know, I mean, after 17 years in AA and I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I, I started drinking at 43. I can't remember, you know, it, it, it was in my early forties. I started drinking again and I had been around AA pretty heavily since almost 16 years old in and out. I mean, so, so AA and alcoholism was very ingrained in, in the depth of my mind. My drinking in my forties was completely different than when I quit in my twenties, you know, in my twenties, it was going out and, you know, with friends and having a good time in my forties and drinking, it was at home alone on a couch with a bottle of whiskey and a sack of weed and, you know, just drink till I black out till I pass out. I wanted to be comfortably numb every night by myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, my point in that was every night, you know, when you drink as much booze as I do, you go to the bathroom a lot. Well, you walk by that mirror in the bathroom. And I I would look in that mirror every night and just think to myself, God, you were so alcoholic, dude, you've got to get back to AA. <laughs> but then I would just think, you know, I'd come to the next morning and think, now nah, I got this. You know, I'm, I'm making another day. I was, you know, I, I'm never going back there. You know, I think about things like the fourth and the fifth step, the eighth and the ninth step and think there's no way in hell I'm ever doing that stuff again, you know. Uh, but, you know, they, there will come a time, you know, <laughs> beating a submission. Yes. And, and so tell me a little bit about that bottom. Like what what happened to finally get you to the point where you knew you had to do these things? 
it was a slow progression down. You know, I mean, I still had the career. I had my kids. Uh, I'm a divorced dad with uh, the almost be 16 year old triplets in October. Uh, and, you know, slowly but surely just finances were getting worse. You know, the job, I, I, I could never seem to get promoted or nothing ever good was seen. I was very unsatisfied in my job and relationally I was a mess. I could just tell in that sense of guilt. And I, I think one of the best terms I've heard to describe it, especially ever after having been in AA, but the, the Christian term of feeling lost, mm. you know, just that I just felt so lost just deep down. And, and not in the quote unquote Christian sense, but just the, I can't think of a better way to describe it. You know, I, there was no direction in my life and my, my direction every day was to get drunk, you know, to get comfortably numb and over time and just having lived a better way of life at one time, you know, that just gnaws at you, you know, you just know it deep, deep down. So, you know, when, when the relationship ended, uh, being, you know, the codependent person I am, I think that was the the big two by four in the head that really, mm. she really told me about myself when she broke up with me. And there was just no denying, you know, the list of grievances she had with me. And, and I could, I, I remember that line from uh, how, uh, right after how it works, where it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, coupled by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And I just, I knew it was, I was the problem. You mentioned codependency and it's something that, um, that I hear time and again, it's, it's so prevalent in, in the rooms. Have you addressed that? And do you think it's possible to address this, this codependency that we all seem to, to gravitate towards with the tools of the program? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the steps, you know, work on anything you apply them to. It's, uh, you know, just having that willingness uh, to apply it to it, you know, and then, you know, there's, I know so many people, uh, in early sobriety this time, you know, I wanted to make up for lost time. So I went to, I remember I went to ACOA for a period of time. I hit some Al-Anon meetings too. Uh, I just, I, it's like, I wanted to fix everything like yesterday. Uh, I wanted to make up for lost time. So I thought if I do all these things at once, you know, I'll fix me and get me to where I think I should be. And, you know, I, I quickly realized that I just needed to focus on working the steps and then, you know, there would come a time to address those things. Uh, but, you know, I have too. you know, I've also, you know, gone to therapy to help address some of those things as well, since I've been sober. And, you know, they uh, step six and seven is all about, you know, when God will reveal someone and he's ready to remove it. So, you know, they will believe come that time in sobriety when, when you'll know. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And and you mentioned outside outside help. Yeah, I think the, the program is so powerful. And it can be applied to so many things, uh, but sometimes there's, I don't know, personality things, maybe even biological things that um, you know you have to address with outside help. Oh, definitely, family of origin. I mean, my sponsor and I talk about that stuff, and you know, I'm in a relationship with a beautiful gal in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Bethany, who we just heard a few weeks ago, and I mean, just ask her. You know, I mean, I've definitely got my list of issues. You know that that I it's. I definitely need help, you know, and, and having, I think there's that one line in the 12 and 12 that always rings for me is uh, our difficulty to form a true partnership with another human being. I mean, that's hard, man. Yeah. I, you, know. you mentioned Christian concepts and you talked about God a little bit. What, what's your, uh, what's your higher power look like, Tony? Uh, I tell you when I was sober prior, I was really into uh, going to church and, you know, the, the faith of my childhood. 
And uh, I still, you know, feel that way to agree today. But I'll tell you, when I got sober this time, early in sobriety, because I had so much experience in Alcoholics Anonymous before, uh, I really tried to uh, approach Alcoholics Anonymous as though I didn't know anything, you know, and that I obviously missed something along the way. You know, I'd stayed sober a long time, but, you know, I was missing something. I could tell that. So I kind of tried not to think about any, get into anything. So I I was very open-minded. I mean, that's what the second step's all about. And if your life is unmanageable, as I talked about, you know, the solution in step two is a, you know, a power greater than ourselves. So I'd heard that prayer and early sobriety, uh, the set aside prayer, God helped me to set aside everything. I think I know about Alcoholics Anonymous, about myself, about the 12 steps, about you and help me to have a new experience with all these things. And man, I just, I love that. You know, I love that. And I, I truly believe, you know, I mean, that's, that's all about humility right there. You know, and that's really when it comes down to it, that so much of the answer is not having an answer. So, uh, you know, a lot of my getting back to your original question, a lot of my spiritual belief came with that was, OK, I'm not going to try to put put God in a box this time. And I, I got into meditation early on. I got into, you know, reading books by Michael Singer and Eckhart Tolle and got into meditating. And, you know, it's you know, I really don't try to fit God in a box anymore. You know, it's mm. I like what one of the old timers here in Jacksonville always says. It's God as you experience him. Yeah. I love that. I love that, uh, yeah. man. You know, and that's the magic of Alcoholics Anonymous is when you have those little God moments or those God shots and you're like, okay, this deal really works, man. You know, because yeah. I need that. Hey, what role did your sponsor play in, in giving you this new perspective on recovery? I mean, it's everything. I, uh, I, uh, I've got a great sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous now. I had a, had a different sponsor when I first got sober and he was, he was awesome. And uh, he didn't waste a whole lot of time with me when we got when I got sober this time. My my first sponsor, I had him about nine months, and then I switched to the sponsor I have now. Uh, we did about a step a week, and uh, you know it's you know it, it goes back to you know using my sponsor is you know all about step two for me, and and step three is about following that direction, uh, honesty, open mindedness, and willingness. And you know I call my sponsor on a daily basis. I still try to call him on a daily basis today tell them what's going on in my life. You know, it's all about accountability. If I could hold myself accountable, I wouldn't need Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, you know, and I, I, when I get those thoughts in the back of my mind that say, oh, I ain't got to tell my sponsor about this. Or, I mean, that's just, I look back at where I went wrong the last time. And a lot of that was so much of unwilling to be transparent, you know, in certain areas of my life. And, you know, that's where, my, you know, my sponsor is my best advocate. He knows everything about me. He's heard my fourth and my fifth step. He knows my defects of character. So when I call him up with an issue, you know, he knows, you know, he's got that unemotionally attached point of view and he knows, you know, my defects and the issues I've been struggling with. And, you know, it reminds me on the steps, whatever I need to look at. And it's imperative, imperative. It's probably the first piece of advice I'd give somebody coming into the rooms. And oh, before definitely. we get to advice that you would give to to the newcomer, talk to me about your ninth step. We're in ninth month, and um, you know what what's that look like for you? Are you are you finished with it? Have you started it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I did it when I was in my first year. I think I it was about ninety days when we were going through my uh, eighth and ninth step, looking back, and uh, and you know, there's been amends I've had to work on, you know, that have been revealed to me since I've been sober. I believe you know, the biggest part about the nine step is about my behavior. 
because it's one thing I can I can tell people all day long. I'm sorry, but nobody, you know, people don't care uh, about my intentions. You know, they care about my actions. And saying saying I'm sorry is just an intention. It's not, you know, you know, people are going to watch what you do. So for me, you know, it's about, you know, today it's about the living amends and, you know, taking the actions, you know, contrary to what, you know, my feelings might be at the moment, but just still following through. Uh, one thing I, I heard a couple of years ago, I went to a step workshop and I heard Bob Darrell, he was doing, talking about steps eight and nine. And he had pointed out when you're doing a fourth and fifth step that, uh, when you, when you get to the fourth column and I, I relate this to step nine, because I believe it puts a whole new light on things. When you're getting to that fourth column, it says we disregard the other person entirely. You know, when I approach steps eight and nine, if I am not disregarding somebody else entirely, because with, with steps eight and nine, it is so, you know, the, it is so hard for me to look at my part sometimes, you know, and that's where I struggle, you know, to this day, uh, just ask Bethany. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, it's it's almost like I got, I got blinders on. I just sometimes I just cannot see it because I can get so hyper focused on your behavior, and the the answer, you know, and that that's alcoholism. It's total alcoholism. You know, it's got nothing to do with what you've done. This is all about what I've done and and make it up for my behavior. And I believe the reason I am so focused on your behavior or what you've done is is that deep down part of me that just does not want to look at myself. Because it's scary and painful and humiliating, you know, but, you know, that's also where the freedom comes in. I mean, that's why the promises come after steps eight and nine, because, you know, that's where the real maturity and the real, real work is, is you know, being honest and transparent and who and what I really am. Yeah. And really, I mean, I was told that the, that step nine is a demonstration that change has taken place. And, and what I was told is that, that, you know, making an amends without actually making the change is a subtle form of manipulation. You're manipulating somebody. Into oh, that's so true. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. And we're really good at that. I know I am, you know, yeah. uh, and, and that's why I need a sponsor, you know, going back because sometimes, you know, I just, I need somebody who, who is outside of my purview to help mm-hmm. me, you know, be able to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Tony, I want to, I want to get some goodness for the folks that maybe maybe they're newer in the program or maybe they're not even in the program. What would you tell somebody that um, you know, having experienced what you've experienced going in and out, and and where you are today? What kind of advice would you have? Well, it's a conversation my sponsor and I, you know, will have from time to time. Uh, you know, it's, it, it comes down to surrender. You know, and if somebody's ready, they're ready. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this too, because I knew you were going to kind of answer, ask this question. And I think the best advice I can give to somebody is just keep coming back, man. Cause you know, when, when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, when, when you sponsor somebody and, you know, there's, when they're ready, there's nothing wrong you can say. And when they're not ready, there's nothing right you can say, but, you know, you can just hope they keep coming back until they're ready until that, that switch clicks. Uh, and it took, I mean, it took a long time for me, you know, when it was through some trial and error coming in for a long time and going back out for a little while, but, you know, in hindsight, I'm grateful for that experience. I'm not grateful for the harms I've caused others, but I'm grateful for the insight, you know, it gave me now because my life, uh, it's definitely, uh, I, I think the the saying beyond your wildest dreams is kind of corny, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really awesome. It's I I've definitely grace of God. I give a lot more than I deserve today. Yeah. That's great. I'd love to hear that. You ever think about a drink? 
I mean, I'm alcoholic, aren't I? You know, I, I can go to a rock concert. Uh, I love going to concerts. You know, I can be at a, at an event with a lot of people, you know, a work event where there's other people drinking and I will get a thought to drink, you know, but then, you know, I can walk it all the way through, you know, I'm grateful today. I can see it for what it is. It's a mirage, but I believe that's dependent on me not managing my life. You know, I know if, if I sat around and massaged that thought long enough, you know, I'll, I, you know, I, I sure I would take a drink again, you know, but I, if I'm sitting around massaging it, I'm managing it. You know, I got to take actions contrary, you know, I got to say a prayer, you know, walk it all the way through, you know, do all the things that, you know, they teach us to do here in Alcoholics Anonymous. But if I just, you know, sit around and keep fantasizing about it, you know, you know, what will happen. Yeah, it gets in. <laughs> awesome. Tony, it's been a great conversation. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we wrap? Uh not that I can think of, to be honest with you, you know, just keep coming back, man. You know, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it is, it's such an amazing program for living. Uh, it's, it's such a gift. I love the big book and uh, the old timey writing and, you know, just, just everything about it. It's, I really feel blessed now to be an alcoholic and I'm grateful to be one. I wouldn't want to not be an alcoholic. I don't know. I guess it'd be nice, but I don't know. It's just, I really love the book I have today. It's good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.